And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Please be seated. Now, apparently, the St. Cloud Mall hasn't made a mortgage payment in over three years, and they're getting sued for it, unless I get sued too, I will say, <laughs> allegedly. But I guess they owe $84 million. But the most recent valuation of the place is only $50 million. I think that's what they call being highly leveraged. Now, I really hope they figure something out, because I really need a bath and body works to go smell candles at. And then there's Elon Musk, who recently bought Twitter for $44 billion after he tried to back out of it and then got sued back into it. But now Twitter, and I guess I should say X, <laughs> is only worth $15 billion. And Elon's got to pay annually $1.5 billion a year in interest. And then there's me. Now, don't feel sorry for me, but I have to begin paying my student loans again next month. I thought I was forgiven, but you know how that goes. And apparently, they sold the loan to somebody else, so I've been looking for a guy in a trench coat in my back alley to give student loan payments to, but he has yet to show up. Moral of the story is, don't buy and pop the champagne until the statement actually reads zero. My friends, today's parable is all about the economics of the kingdom of heaven. They say it's all about the numbers. Well, we've got plenty of numbers here. Seven, 77, 100 denarii, 10,000 talents. We'll talk about what all those numbers mean. And like our financial and economic system, there are rewards and there are punishments for not playing by the rules. Like insider trading, you will get punished. Except unlike our system, that prison isn't designed by and for Martha Stewart. Now you've heard of supply and demand, you've heard of capitalism, you've heard of Marxism. You know what Bill Clinton's economic advisor said in 92? It's the economy, stupid. <laughs> well, here is the economic platform for the kingdom of heaven. It's really short, it's one sentence. You happen to say it all the time, so you should know it by heart. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So let's look at the first part of that. Forgive us our debts. Of course, we pray that to God. So the question is, what do we owe God? Did we take out a loan? Kind of. Actually, we stole something from God. You see, when you sin, you rob God of his glory. That's quite the debt. Here's the exchange rate of God's glory. One penny of God's glory is the equivalent of 10,000 talents. Now, we have to do another exchange rate on 10,000 talents because we don't use that unit of measurement anymore. Okay, one talent is about the equivalent of 20 years worth of wages. It's one talent. Well, this guy owes 10,000 talents. So since we're discussing economics, let's do some basic math. 20 times 10,000, 200,000. 200,000 years worth of wages that this guy owes. That's 7.3 million days. 
I don't know what the average American lifespan is anymore. I think it went down. It's like 76, 77. It's not, it's not 200,000, that's for sure. Now, if we want to put this in real US dollars, okay, the most recent da data is from 2020. We've got to add some inflation into this, but it's about $15.6 billion. Okay, actually, this is the text on which I preached the first time here three years ago on. So that's a special place in my heart. I did the calculation three years ago, and I wanted to be impressive, so I calculated it based on the weight in gold, because that's what a talent is. It is a weight. And based on that, and I won't bore you with the math, but you convert it to troy ounces, and this has got to be more, because this was three years ago. Anybody know how the gold market's doing? No? I guess market's closed on Sundays. But the number is $37,848,906,809. Okay, the point is... This is an impossible sum. And this is a servant who owes a master billions and billions and billions of dollars. This isn't some rich tycoon. There is no way, absolutely none, that he could repay the debt. This is what it's like for us in our sin. Okay, when it comes to sin, we are highly leveraged. We owe God way more than we could ever pay him. Now some try. Do you notice what the servant in our parable said? He said, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Really? It's like Han Solo with Jabba the Hutt. Just give me more time. I promise I'll pay you. Okay, we all know if you gave Han a million years, there's no way he's repaying that money even if he had it. We like to pretend that we could get our act together somehow and then repay God our debt. But if you end up trying to do this, okay, you're either going to be really puffed up in your pride and it's really stupid because you can't actually do it, or you're going to fall into a depressive despair because you realize you can't repay God your debt. When a person refuses to let Jesus Christ pay the debt that he owes God, one of two things happens. Either he tries to pay it himself, which he can't do, or he tries to make somebody else pay, which is exactly what our servant does. But before we look at that, look at how the master responds to our servant's plea for mercy. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Forgives them. Now, what does it mean to forgive? Well, the Greek word for forgiveness, it literally means to release. He releases him of the debt. He doesn't hold that debt against him anymore. Guys, your sins are forgiven. God doesn't hold your sins against you anymore. That's the gospel. It's the year of Jubilee. It's a very important concept in the Old Testament. Every 50 years... The Israelites were supposed to forgive each other of all the debts they had accrued in those 50 years. Now, if that sounds foreign to you, you've never heard it before, there's good reason for it. And that is because God commanded that to be done. But it's never actually recorded as happening in the Old Testament. And I think it never did. Because here is why. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiveness is really impossible. Here is the most important economic and theological principle of the day. You ready for it? It's a mouthful. 
Tonstoffel. Got it? Tonstoffel. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Tonstoffel. Forgiveness might be free to us, which it is, but it's not free to God. Somebody's got to pay. Sometimes we get deluded into thinking, well, it's just free, nobody paid. It's a great scene in the sitcom The Office that illustrates the point. Michael, the boss, he runs into financial problems. So he thinks bankruptcy is the best option. So he runs into the room and he goes, I declare bankruptcy. And his accountant tells him, Michael, that's not how it works. You can't just say you're bankrupt and it happens. And it's comical. Michael says, I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> okay, the master of the servant, he can say, I forgive you of your sins. And it's true, but it's not just mere words. The paperwork still has to be filed. Somebody still has to pay that debt. It still has to be accounted for. So Tonstoffel, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody has to pay. Jesus paid. Jesus pays with his blood. That's how you're released from your debt. You don't owe God back his glory anymore because the crucifixion is the glory of God. So without the crucifixion, well, you are still in your debt, you are still in your sins. So cling to that, because with it, we've got all the glory of God right here and the payment. And what it means is that we can be at peace with God now, and we are free to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Well, it comes with privileges and duties, namely the second part of that petition in the Lord's Prayer, as we forgive those who are indebted to us. We've all been sinned against. It's not fun. Sometimes it's really petty. Other times it hurts a heck of a whole lot. But in comparison to what anybody has sinned against you, as in comparison to what you owe God, it's peanuts. It's like it's like a hundred denarii, which ain't nothing compared to 10,000 talents. A denarius was one day's wage. He's got a hundred of them. So let's say a third of an annual salary. I don't know, let's say $24,000, something like that. I mean, it's, it's a good chunk of change. None of us like getting cheated out of 20 bucks, let alone several thousand dollars. But what's $24,000 compared to 15.6 or 37.8 billion dollars. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard forgiving other people. It's like forgiving somebody of several thousand dollars. It's turning the other cheek when you just got slapped. It seems impossible for us to forgive. But the good news of being a Christian is that you can forgive. You can absorb that debt. Okay, one time, a group of friends bought a paralytic to Jesus. And they were desperate to get this paralyzed friend to him. So desperate, in fact, that they cut the roof off of that house to lower him in. But what's the first thing that Jesus says to that paralytic? It's not, rise, pick up your mat and go. It's the second thing. He wants to heal his soul before he heals his body. So he says, son, your sins are forgiven. 
And how does the group of people react to Jesus saying that? Well, Mark records it, and they start discussing among themselves, who is this guy? Nobody can forgive sins except God alone. And they're right. Nobody can forgive sins except God alone. But now Jesus is telling you to forgive. And so go, forgive. Because in the best way possible, when we forgive others, we are playing God. We're playing with house money. How are we forgiven? By the blood of Jesus, and it never runs out. The church has been drinking that blood for over 2,000 years, and it is still paying dividends. Now, the practical question is, how much do we forgive? Well, Jesus answers that. Peter thinks seven times, which is the number of God. It seems good. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, fool me seven times. But Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, that's an interesting number, not only because it's double seven, but because of the first time that number appears in the Bible, 77. It's in Genesis 4. Cain just killed Abel, and Cain is going to run away. But God graciously puts a mark on Cain, which says, If anybody kills you, Cain, vengeance will be returned to them sevenfold. What it means is that if anybody killed Cain, that person would die seven times. Okay, pretty brutal. Well, one of Cain's descendants, I think he's five or six down, his name is Lamech. He knows about Cain's sevenfold vengeance and thinks that's pretty weak. <laughs> you think sevenfold vengeance is strong? Well, you just wait till you see me. I mean, he actually says, if anybody hits me, I'm going to kill that guy. He writes a poem for how vengeful he is. This is what Lamech says. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. And here's the key. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. And so when Jesus tells us to forgive 77-fold, he is saying, stop the cycle of Lamech. Stop being so vengeful. Because when you start shedding blood, it never stops. Just look at all of the family flare-ups that have happened all over the world. It never stops. It never stops until we embrace the blood of Jesus Christ. When we forgive others, we're playing God in the best way possible. But when we take vengeance, we're playing God in the worst way possible because vengeance belongs to God and it belongs to him alone. And being a Christian means I trust that God will take care of that. Here is the great warning in the parable. My friends, if you don't forgive other people from your heart, God will not forgive you. It's very clear. He throws that servant who he forgave, he revokes the forgiveness and throws him back into jail until he could repay every single last penny. But the until is never, because he is never repaying that 10,000 talents. Here's why it's such a big deal. Because if you refuse to forgive, what you are saying is that Jesus Christ did not die for the sins of the entire world. Jesus did not die for you. That's what you are saying when you refuse to forgive. And if you say that, you are denying the faith. If you don't forgive others, you can't pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But here's the great encouragement in the parable. When you do forgive others, it's a sign that you're a Christian. 
I mean, Luther's magnificent on this in the large catechism. He says it's one of the most comforting things in the world when I forgive somebody because then I actually know that I'm a Christian. It means Jesus Christ has forgiven me and now I am made a loan forgiveness officer in the kingdom of heaven to go and freely forgive others. And unlike our government, there is no red tape. There is no bureaucratic hula hoops. There is only the red blood of Jesus Christ and a cross and an empty tomb. And my friends, that has always proved to be enough. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Amen.